Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Praise God. Genesis chapter 28, verse number 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful. That word dreadful is not the connotation you would be the, that you're thinking of. It's, it's the, the literal translation of that would be, How awesome. How awesome is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows. And he set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at first. And this stone, verse 22, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that shalt thou give me, I will surely give the, uh, give the tent unto thee. I preached this message in Ecuador as we were dedicating some of the churches. And I really felt that I wanted to share this message with you this morning for just a few moments. I want to preach on a house like no other. A house like no other. Look at somebody and say, this is a house like no other. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, for the great celebration that we've had in this place. Celebrating what you have empowered us and you have enabled us to do. Lord Jesus, I pray right now. Lord, that you would open our understanding. I pray, Lord, that somebody's life would be changed. I'm believing somebody's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and someone's going to come to a greater knowledge of you today. Let there be healing and strength, grace and mercy in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated, amen, but one more time, shout, a house like no other. A house like no other. Amen. Most of us are, are really familiar with this passage of Scripture uh, where Jacob had just deceived uh, his own father. Matter of fact, that's who Jacob was. Jacob was identified by his name. He was, it literally means the deceiver or the supplanter. How would you like to have that kind of a name? Amen. It, it, it meant that, that he was a person who was going to con you. He Always was working in angle. Um, after the Revolutionary War, the name Benedict, a man, uh, dropped in popularity in America to the point to even this day, you rarely will find the name Benedict assigned to someone's first name because of the infamous man known as Benedict Arnold. He was the traitor of the United States. He was the right-hand man of General George Washington, and he turned. And he sold out General Washington, and he sold out the American, uh, the newly formed American nation and to the British. He was not even received in Britain when he married a British uh, woman, a, a loyalist. 
from the colonies and they moved to Britain. He was not even welcome there. His name was absolutely uh, gone into the dustbin of history. It was mud, if you were. Uh, and when we say their name is mud, we're not talking about actual mud because that cliche comes from another war where a man betrayed his country and his name was mud, M-U-D-D. And they use the phrase, his name is now mud. It means he is a betrayer. He is a deceiver. Uh, before Benedict Arnold, Benedict was a fairly common name in the colonies of the United States. But after Benedict Arnold turned on this nation and he turned on his good friend, General George Washington, the name Benedict became synonymous with someone who was a backstabber, someone who would trade, uh, would become a trader and who would turn on you. Jacob had the same kind of, of character uh, credit. He was a supplanter. When you said Jacob, everybody knew that guy was going to con you uh, because if you'll con your own family, you'll con anybody. It's one thing to rob from somebody you don't know, and that's bad enough. It's nothing to rob from your own family. Amen. And this, this was Jacob. He was willing to steal. You know the story of Jacob. He goes into uh, his father who is, who is poor in sight. He is nearly, almost completely blind. He can only see very blurry shapes and colors. And, and with the help of Jacob's mother, they, they deceive their fa the father. They deceive Isaac. And so they go in when he is nearly blind and they made a scheme. They were going to dress Jacob to look like his older brother Esau who was the one to whom the inheritance and the blessing of the family would pass down to it was a very important thing in the customs of this time and so Jacob puts on uh, some fur on his arms to make him feel real hairy uh, like his older brother Esau amen Esau was it must have been extremely hairy if they put on fur I mean the guy probably took off his shirt and looked like he was wearing a sweater I mean they probably asked him when he was 12 his mom would say did you brush your teeth and did you brush your back hair this morning before you went to school he was a very very hairy individual. he was a rugged rugged outdoorsman he was he was uh, always outside always hunting and fishing and and taking things by will but not Jacob Jacob was a con man and his mom helped him be a con man. Uh, parents, we got to be careful the things that, that we encourage in our children. Amen. I, I've seen parents encourage bad behavior in children. Amen. And I'm not talking about overtly bad behavior like encouraging them to, you know, rob a candy store. I mean, things that, that, are, that are character uh, character flaws as a child, they would encourage that. Uh, when a child throws a fit, they'd celebrate that. Oh, isn't that cute? Or they need to express themselves. Uh, we didn't throw fits because we knew our parents would express themselves. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. We, if, if we threw a fit... It wasn't going. It wasn't going to be. It wasn't going to be pretty. And the old, the old adage from from your parent, your dad, my dad was, "I brought you in this world. I can take you out." Amen. He told me one time, "I've already got my namesake. I've already got a son. You're the spare." Amen. I ain't going to miss you so much. Amen. Amen. So his mom encouraged his behavior in him. Amen. I, I read a book. It's an incredible book uh, uh, written by uh, uh, a, a psychologist, and he wrote a book about uh, principles of life. And one of the things he said, he said, is don't let your children be annoying. Yeah. 
Don't let your children become the people that you don't like. I thought it was very profound. This is what Jacob's mother did. She let him be that child nobody wanted to be around. She celebrated that to the point where she knew that the inheritance was not going to fall to Jacob because of the birth, uh, the order of birth. It was going to go to Esau, and she played favoritisms with her children. And so she was going to help, and she did help Jacob to deceive his own father. He, she puts hair on his arms to make him hairy. Uh, she made him to smell like the outdoors, that, that, that outdoor wild uh, smell. Amen. No, I don't think there's any women attracted to the smell of mud and woods right now. But I'm going to tell you, if we were in the 1500s, you would think that man was wearing polo or, or st- because you, don't, you wouldn't want to marry a man that, that, uh, that smelt like the shops of Paris, France. You would want to marry a man that could hunt and provide, right? And so he was very desirous of, of, of the women because he could provide. He was a strapping. He was very strong. And uh, she also uh, helped him cook a certain meal, a porridge, a soup, if you would. Uh, that only Esau could cook and that it was very special but but his mother had learned how to cook and she helped Jacob even uh, cook up this soup or this porridge so that when he would go in for the blessing that that uh, he would be so deceived and so Jacob did that he put on all the uh, the things and he put on the the charade and he walks in and uh, the Bible says that that Isaac was a little suspect of what was going on. He wasn't 100% sure. And uh, Isaac, uh, we, we talk a lot about Jacob, and although uh, Isaac is not the subject matter of my sermon this morning, uh, I do want to point this out, though. Uh, we point a lot about Jacob being a surplanter, but I think there's something to be said about a willfully blind parent. Because he knew something was wrong. And he reached out, and he said, you... you um, you feel like my son. You smell like my son. The food tastes like my son, but there's something about your voice that's different. I want to just pause and say this in living for God. I don't care what that church feels like. Let me say that again. I don't care what that, how they sing their music, how they shout, they dance, whatever program they have, amen, because you cannot live for God by what you feel. You can't live for God by what you sense. You can't live for God by what you touch or how you feel, amen, but the thing that betrayed Jacob to his own father was that his voice did not quite sound right, but he still went ahead and put the blessing of the family on him. If you're going to live for God with any longevity, if you're going to live for God in the will of God, that's vitally important to live for God in his will. You better learn to know the voice of God, and if that voice don't sound right, If that voice don't sound right, don't connect to that voice. Don't eat from that voice. Don't touch that voice. Don't even smell. Because feelings can be deceiving. The Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And and Isaac did not listen to his faith. He did not listen to the innate sense God gave him that the young man in front of him was not the young man who he thought he was. Amen. And Jacob was a good deceiver. He was a good con man to where he could alleviate the concerns of his father to go ahead and give him the blessing anyway. I'm going to tell you, the devil is a good devil. 
I don't mean he's good as in he's wonderful. I mean he's good at doing his job. And some people get mad when I say that. The devil does a good job. Yeah, he does the job God made him do. God don't make trash. When God made a devil, when God made a devil, he made one that would do the job. That's what Isaiah said. God said, I created the smith that blows the coals in the fire, that brings forth the instrument for his purpose. Amen. He said, God said, I created everything, even evil. In other words, what God said was, there needed to be a devil and I created one. But the rest of that verse says, but no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment will he condemn. In other words, for the devil he's created, there is a God that cannot, amen, fail. There's a God that cannot lose, amen. Satan cannot overthrow the kingdom of God. Amen. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful with, with the books you read. Amen. You got to be careful with some of the music we listen to that's called Christian music. And don't shout me down when I'm preaching good this morning. Amen. You got to be careful even some of this Christian music you listen to. That the theology is so messed up and inside out, upside down. Amen. I'm, I'm a little tired of going to some of our churches and they're singing the theology. That is false doctrine because nobody's got enough good sense in their head to challenge the theology of some of this junk we're singing. It's damnable doctrines. Eternal sonship and a triune Godhead. That's not in the Bible. We don't sing about it. We don't sing about that. Amen. Well, hallelujah. That ain't cost you nothing. You got to be careful what you listen to. Because when it listens and it doesn't sound right, but you go, oh, but it feels good. It blessed me. Everything but the one line blessed me in that song. That one line should have invalidated everything else. I don't want that stuff in my spirit. There's still only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We don't believe in two. We don't believe in three. Hallelujah. We believe in one God. We believe his name is Jesus because that's what the Bible says. Amen. Call me old-fashioned. Amen, that's all right. I'll be fine. I'd rather go back to the hymnals than sing some of this junk coming out now. And the enemy, the enemy's smart. He sips it, slips it in two or three words at a time, a little bit in a verse here and a little bit in a verse there. And the next thing you know, we are singing false doctrine. I'm not talking about this church. We don't allow that in this church. I'm talking about other churches. We can't let that stuff in. You say, but I felt God when I heard that. You felt something. I was driving through a city uh, years ago, and a big old sign for a church said, Spirit-filled church. And, and, and this was back in uh, the late, uh, about 1999, uh, 2000, uh, when it was popular to be. I mean, hey, I was, I was a tongue talker when it wasn't popular. Hey, man, I, I think it was Barbara Mandrell said, I was country before country was cool. Hey, I was a tongue talker before tongue talking was cool. That sign said, spirit-filled church. And I thought to myself, spirit-filled church. And I felt like the Lord spoke in my spirit and said, they are spirit-filled. He said, just not my spirit. But they can't tell the difference. You got to make sure you're not living for God by how you feel. 
This is, this is how these TikTok theologians have so many followers and on Facebook, amen, because they flip their phone around and they video themselves saying these one-liners that everybody loves. They say, oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels good. But if you would ever clearly focus in, amen, you would know that, that, that what they're saying is just a little off. What they're saying is just slightly off. If you could go past how you feel and you would look into what they really teach and what they really believe and how they really live and who they they really are you'd say I don't want anything to do with that how in the world these TV preachers still have uh, 200 million dollar airplanes everybody knows they're liars everybody knows they're con men you want to know why because they stand in front of a camera and say well bless you well bless you and it makes them feel good but they never do due diligence to get close enough to see is that really who I think it is it doesn't sound quite right to me I want to preach to you this morning that you are in the house of God where God can speak through his word clearly boldly and without confusion and so Isaac blessed Jacob the liar he blessed Jacob the surplanter Amen. What did Jacob do? Jacob packed up his bag and he took off running because he knew when his older brother got a hold of him, amen, he was going to turn him every which away but loose. Amen. He was going, I mean, when uh, uh, Esau got a hold of Jacob, uh, Brother Nate, he was going to whoop him. I mean, he was going, he was going to kill him is what he's going to do. Amen. Isaac was going to put something, uh, Esau was going to put something on Jacob that Ajax wouldn't take off. Amen. He, he was going to pummel him into the ground. Hope you can translate that brother Roberto amen God bless you amen he was going to put it on him. he was going to take him out amen and so Jacob ran just as fast as he could and then one day in Genesis 28 uh, to shorten the story a little bit he finds out that his brother is after him and his brother is closing in on him and so he's running from his brother in essence he's running from God he's running from his past he's running from his family and he goes to a city called Luz and there at Luz he, he takes some stones and he makes a bed and he takes a stone and he makes a pillow and he lays there and he goes to sleep one night and as he is sleeping and he's realizing this may be the last night I sleep it may be the last morning uh, that I wake up when I wake up in the morning all of a sudden he began to dream uh, and he saw a ladder descending from heaven uh, and angels going up and down that we call it Jacob's ladder amen and standing at the top of the ladder the Bible said was God and God God stood at the top of the ladder and he said to this liar, he said to this surplanter, he said it to this con man, he said the ground on which you are, I'm going to give to you this and much more. He began to give him the promises of Abraham and Isaac. He began to reiterate in him that God would make a great nation through him while he was still known as a liar and a surplanter. And the Bible said that Jacob woke up out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And in verse 17, it said he was afraid and said, how awesome and wonderful is this place. Then he says, this is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate. Everybody say the gate. This is the gate to heaven. This is the entry point into heaven. And the Bible said he rose early the next morning and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set up a pillar and he poured all on the top of 
of it. And he called that place Bethel, amen, which means the house of God. But that place was before known as Luz. I want to tell you that it was in that place. It wasn't in a beautiful building like this. He didn't have padded chairs like we have. He didn't have air conditioning from the heat. He didn't have a sound system. He didn't have wonderful music and beautiful singers. He didn't have nice lights. He didn't have the congregation. All he had was himself and the presence of God. And when he woke up, he said, this is a house like no other. There's no other house like this house. And he began to pile rocks one upon the other. And he poured oil on it and said, this is now the house of God. I want to tell you something first, church. This is a house like no other. There ain't no other house like this in town. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the presence of God here right now. This is a house like no other. There ain't no other church like this church. There ain't no other house like this house. There's hope in this house. There's healing in this house. There's salvation in this house. There's deliverance. This is a house like none other. Amen. You look at Jacob's first house. You look at Jacob's Bethel. All it was, amen, was just a pile of rocks. That's all it was, Brother Omar. It didn't have a ceiling. It didn't have a roof. It didn't have walls. Amen. It didn't have a chimney. It didn't have a platform. It didn't have nothing but a pile of rocks with some oil poured on the top of it. And Jacob stood there and he wept. And he said, this is a house like no other. This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. I've come to tell you, there may be more beautiful buildings in this city. There may be larger buildings in this city. They may have nicer things than we have, but there is no other house like this house because this house is the place where God gives mercy. This is the place where God changes lives. This is the place where healing comes into a body. This is the place where a soul is saved. Oh, somebody go ahead and rejoice in the Lord. Come on, go ahead and rejoice in the Lord. My God, I feel his presence in this place right now. It would be at this place that Jacob would come back to and the Lord would call him back to in a place of consecration. I don't got time to get into it. Amen. But later he would call this place El Bethel. It went from it went from the house from house of God to the house of God. Amen. He made that. He consecrated that place. Amen. He walked away from that place with a limp. I've come to preach to somebody this morning and I'm almost done. My message is this simple. Amen. We've got to have the presence of God in this place because only God's presence can change a life. Did you hear what I said? Only God's presence can change a life. I love our music, but it don't change your life. I love the media team, but it don't change your life. We got the greatest ushers, but they don't change life. We got wonderful greeters, but that don't change your life. The only thing that can change your life is the God of the house. How many here did the God of this house change your life? Thank <laughs> you. 
I remember my grandmother who's gone on to be with the Lord. She received the Holy Ghost in the, in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas uh, under a C.P. Kilgore revival in the 1930s. Amen. There in a brush harbor. They didn't have a building like this. They just took logs and they piled them on top of one another. They didn't have padded pews. They just took, they took the stumps and, and they nailed two by fours from one stump to the next. And that was their pews. And she said two hours before you got there, you could hear people praying as she rode in the back of a wagon that was pulled by a team of mules. She said you could hear them praying two hours before you got to that brush harbor. It wasn't a beautiful building. It didn't have a sound system. It didn't have an AC. It didn't have beautiful music. But you know what they had? They had the presence of God and it changed their life and they were never the same again. I'm preaching to somebody this morning that this is a house like no other. This is not a crystal cathedral. This may not be the Taj Mahal, but it is a house like no other house. Oh, I feel victory in this place right now. Amen. It's the people of God and the presence of God that make this house the house of God. Two things make it the house of God. Number one, the presence of God identifies it as the house of God. And number two, people who are in need. Because Jacob was not a perfect man. He was a man running from his past. He was a man that was blemished with sin. He was a man that had a criminal record. And he was in the house of God. And God began to change his life. I'm preaching to you this morning. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you said or who you said it about. This ain't like any other house. Amen. This is not a courtroom where everything you say can and will be used against you. This is a house like no other. This is a place where sins can be forgiven. This is a place where a soul can find mercy. This is a place where lives can be changed. It's a house like no other house. And it's not the walls that make it special. It's not the ceiling that makes it special. What makes this house different is the presence of God and the people of God. Stand with me. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. It's the people of God and the presence of God that make this the house of God. Listen to me. It would be easy to make this something else. Amen. If we were to come in here and we were to turn the lights off. Amen. And hang a few funky looking lights and some smoke machines. And we were to put up a countertop the full length across here. And some disco balls hanging from the ceiling. It would be a bar room. Amen. We could take all that stuff out. And we can put some shelves in here. And we can put some merchandise on it and all of a sudden it becomes a store. You take all that out and put a living room in here. You can put a bedroom over there and a bathroom and a shower over there and all of a sudden it just becomes a, a living a, a, a quarters or just some dwelling place or lodge. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something right now. This is a house like no other house because this is a house where lives are changed. This is a place where heaven meets earth. This is a place where sinners meet a savior. This is a place where sins meet the blood of Jesus. This is the place where prayer reaches out through hope and lives are changed because it's a house like no other house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
this is a house like no other house. And nothing is impossible with God in this place. Because it's a house like no other. But it's not because there's been hard work put into the appearance of all that's But it's a house like no other because God is in this place right now. Raise your hand if you've got a need. You need God to do something in your life. Just raise your hand right now. With the presence of God in this place, in your need, you have made this a house like no other house. It has been, and it will be said of this house, that this is where people came in addicted to drugs, but they left set free by the power They walked in a Jacob, but they walked out of Israel. They walked in a prideful sinner, but they limped out an humble saint of God. Oh, you feel that in this place right now? out of context, but I want you to hear me. If you want to be saved, you want to get to heaven, you're in the gateway right now. The ladder went from heaven and it touched down at Bethel. There is a ladder in this place right now that if you want to climb you can't jump and grab the third rung and start monkey barring your way up to the top. But if you're going to advance up that ladder, you got to go through the gate. And you got to put one foot on the bottom rung and your second foot, other foot on the second rung. And you got to climb, but you can't start climbing anywhere else. You can't start climbing from the barroom. You can't start climbing from your job. You can't start climbing from the bank. You can't start climbing from friends. You got to start in the house of God. Oh, I feel him in this place. Somebody's leaving here different. I said, somebody's leaving here different this morning. I want you to lift your hands all over this place. I'm about to open these altars. I'm about to open these altars for anybody that has a need. Anybody that doesn't want to leave here carrying the baggage that you want to carry. Anybody that wants to leave here free. Anybody that wants to leave here healed. Anybody that wants to leave here changed by the power and the touch of Almighty God. Come on, I'm going to open these altars right now. If you've got a need, I want you to come to this altar. I want you to have some courage to come to this altar. Maybe, maybe you want to step across the aisle and invite somebody to come with you. Take them by the hand. Say, come on, come with me. Let's go down to the gateway. Come on. Let's go down to the gate. We're going to climb that ladder. God's going to change somebody's life. It might as well be mine. And it might as well be yours. I don't know who you are, sir. I don't know who you are, lady. But God 
God's about to do something in your life. If you're willing to make that step, if you're willing to take those steps, God's going to do something glorious in you. I see the gates swinging open right now. I see angels ascending and descending. I see the presence of God falling in this house. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.